This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper in the Bust. Thanks. Welcome to episode 532 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, March 15th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, what's up? Just getting ready for Tower Wars, baby. Oof. We are a day away. This time tomorrow, we will be in New York, hanging out, hating the weather, <laughs> and enjoying each other's company. It's going to be great. And we figure, you know what? Uh, we got to get a show up for sure. We are running around getting things done, but let's let's record and let's talk pitching again. We talked pitching actually just about a month ago. I think it's almost a month ago on the dot with uh, with Nick Pollock, and we really dove deep. And I think that was a good episode. But so much has changed, and not just like on the field. In fact, not even necessarily on the field. Yeah, it was actually February thirteenth. So just over a month. Um, but just with the research, right? You've done more research. I've done more research. We make changes. I, you know, you'll see a ranking set um, over an offseason from one to another. And they say, well, well, well what changed with, uh, with so-and-so? He didn't, he didn't pitch any. And it's like, well, yeah, but I did more research. I, I found out more things that made me feel a different way about a certain somebody. So I figured it was a good time to jump back in and, and talk pitching again and kind of kind of deep dive on it a little bit. What'd you think? Yeah, I I think it's a good time to do it. Not to mention we've we've actually had some guys get some starts and people are starting to build up strength. We've had some signings uh, in, in the pitching sphere since we last uh, kind of did deep dive. So uh, I definitely have some guys who moved around my personal ranks and our sure. uh, our composite ranks for rotographs are going up soon. And they will be out tomorrow. Actually, it'll be an outfield starting pitcher extravaganza. I'll post one before I leave in the morning, and then the other will be scheduled uh, to go up in the afternoon. So we will be good to go. All right, so let's start at the top still. We're not going to spend as much time as we might have when, when we were talking with Nick um, because that that is a pretty well-established portion of the draft, but there are still thoughts on those guys. It's still a... Kershaw, Sale, Scherzer, Kluber, kind of in your in your respective order, going one through four. Uh, I see that you have Scherzer one. We share that in common, and then it's basically the two NLers, the two ALers. Any any in particular thoughts uh, on on these four right now? No, nothing's changed for me. It's still the the amount of innings you're guaranteed to get from Max Scherzer. Uh, puts him over the better skills in Clayton Kershaw. But I, I'm not dropping Kershaw below uh, below Sale or below, below Kluber for me. So 
Um, I, I don't really have an an argument with anybody doing those four in in any order. I mean, if you look, you know, mm-hmm. when when Jeff's you see everybody sees Jeff's ranks tomorrow, he'll notice he's got Scherzer four. Like I, I don't have a huge gripe with that. I really don't either. And he's got Sale one, and I've agonized over Sale. And Kershaw at this point. And again, it's nothing against Kershaw. It's just I don't even know that he has to be that hurt to lose the innings. I really think they might San Antonio Spurs him and just give him some breaks when when anything pops up. Just a little something. Okay, take a little break. We got you. We got Walker Beeler coming up. We got Brock Stewart who can throw a start. And obviously they're not Kershaw, but they don't have to be. They know that. You know, they know that in a game on June 8th randomly against San Diego or whomever. you don't have to have your playoff lineup ready to go throughout the entire season. That's that's something that we kind of forget when we're making assessments too. Well, well, why would so and so play over this star guy I want to draft? Well, just because the why not get him a break? You know, uh, you got to make it through the slog of six months, and I think that's important. And I think we'll see more pitchers maybe get rests on teams that are very much expected to compete. Um, all right, let's jump down to the next level because that's when it really starts to open up again. And because there's a lot of different differing opinions on even who goes five, let alone, you know, ring, ranging, say, five through 15 or so. Um, you've got Severino there. Totally understand that. The skills are just so sharp. And yeah, it's only been one year, but I don't know, like, what regresses, right? You know, yeah. you, you look at some of the stuff that uh, that that could that could bounce back statistically, and it's understandable. But what what regresses in a tangible way that you wouldn't want to bet on Luis Severino again? That's that's the part I keep coming back to where I'm like, I can't really get him too far because everything you know backs up what he did. And you know, FIP's not a perfect measure, but uh, he was he was within nine points. That's saying that everything you did was justified as you know skill based and i don't know i i really like him it's it's hard to have him much lower than that i think i have Syndergaard five but severino's hard to get much lower than that what are your thoughts on him with 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 severino at five i mean one of the main reasons i'm there aside from my i love the skills i i love the huge step forward last year in the development of a third pitch because i mean that's what we really work worrying about was was he ever going to be more than just a two-pitch guy uh, and he not only got a third pitch, but it was actually a, a good pitch. It wasn't just like, mm. uh, I've got something in my back pocket that I can throw out there every once in a while. Uh, for me, it's health. I mean, if you look at kind of the tier after the big four, there are a lot of health question marks, and Severino doesn't have those. And so for me, that's what pushes him above DeGrom and Strasburg and Syndergaard is I feel more comfortable I'm going to get a huge amount of innings from him this year. So I'm going to jump down a little bit to Robbie Ray, who you have at eight. Is this humidor influenced? It's a little bit humidor influenced. I mean, obviously, uh, he still has massive uh, walk issues. Um, but if he can keep the ball in the ballpark, that's going to kind of tone the, tone those down. And just the strikeout upside. I love the strikeout upside of a guy like Robbie Ray. Part of it is I had to move Zach Granke down quite a bit. Um, yeah, let's, so talk, let's talk about his just, teammate there, Zach Greinke. Yeah, the the you know, I, I don't want to overreact to spring training. I you know I don't you know care a ton necessarily about the numbers or, or what's happening as long as guys are are getting through it healthy and, and getting their innings workloads. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm I'm getting more and more worried about Zach Greinke 
Now, he's the kind of guy for me that, like, if anybody is going to deal with a lower velocity, uh, he he could probably deal with it better than 99% of pitchers out there because he's just so smart and uh, he's really just ahead of the curve mentally. But if he's still throwing mid-80s, we got a problem. So I think it's I think it's up in his last start, right? Or um, mm-hmm. I, I I believe it was for Granky. But he only went like think, two innings, right? Yeah, and I think he ended up leaving with a hamstring or something. Mm-hmm. He's been super low. Before, you know, last year he was. I don't know. You know, it's hard, and it's one of those things that I think this is. It's spring where it happens the most is where the information age kind of backfires a little bit because we think everything is is uh, actionable news. And I'm, I'm being general. Not everybody thinks that everything is. But but the general tenor is to want to make moves off of every little bit of news. And sometimes it's like, this is just an update. You know, he was, he was nursing a little bit of a, a hamstring thing. And I think part of that, particularly with like the injury stuff, comes from the this weird perception that I think a lot of people hold is that when you're on the field, you're 100%. Mm-hmm. And that's just not the case. Most guys tell you that it, it, it's, uh, it's off the 100% mark pretty early into the season, if not in spring training already. And so, you know, he was working 91 last year, Grinky was. And that's still far, you know, that's five miles from the, what, 86 that he was kind of topping out at there. But I don't know, man. I just, I'm reluctant to believe that he lost it just like kind of overnight. And the one big factor that was hurting it was home runs, and the humidors should help that at least. Mm-hmm. If you know, if it doesn't help a lot of other stuff, I'm torn on him because, like, I get it. I see the same thing with the velocity, and I'm, you know, it, it makes you tighten up a little bit. But then I just look at what he did last year, and and look at 16 as a clear, you know, blip uh, influenced by some injury, and he's going to be, but he's going to be 34. And I just, I'm back and forth. I, I have a pro and a con every time. You know, I, I need one. I've got the counterbalance to it, but that kind of leaves me in a limbo position, and I wonder if maybe I just end up passing to avoid a hard decision. You know, I think it just all all depends on value. If we start seeing him start to slip quite a bit, then you know you take advantage. I, I still have him at twelve, um, but he's one of those guys. Like, if I'm taking him now, I want to pair him really quickly with another with another guy. So, I'm in on that. Like, who would who would ideally be somebody in your rankings there that you'd really want to get get going? Like a Grinky Nola. Whew, that'd be really nice. You know, so someone who's gonna get me some strikeouts because Grinky's not gonna get strikeouts even if he's 100. percent But and maybe Nola isn't necessarily the best player to pair him with because he has his own health issues. But I think maybe we're overblowing those a little considering he you know pitched. You know the amount, of, most amount of innings he's ever done at the major league level last year. So, here's the thing: uh, I think guys who didn't have an injury the year before, their health risk is under uh, rated. You know, under analyzed, and those who did, it's over analyzed. Yes, previous injury is an indicator of future injury, but it's not a, a guarantor. It doesn't say you will uh, again be injured this season. So. I think for the most part, a lot of the guys probably, if you were doing like a percentage and it would be like, I don't know, 60% or whatever, 
I, you know, I don't know what the exact percentage is. What don't they say something like forty five percent of guys go on the DL or something? So say it's like that. Say it's like forty five percent. If that's the baseline, I think most guys would be pretty tight in like a forty five to fifty five percent range. Yeah. Unless they're coming in with something already. So um, to that point with Nola, I, I really do like him. You know, he hasn't made it a full season yet, but I don't think he's going to be a, a, a severe injury risk. Um, all right, so let's let's keep jumping down here a little bit, and and because once you really start to get deeper, that's when drafts change because ADP really gets thrown out the window, and people are taking the guys that they like. So we'll 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 kind of follow the ADP here um, again, setting it from three thirteen on. So just the last two days, there's still nineteen drafts, but those are the freshest ones, the hot off the press. Wait, sorry, say that again. I said uh, we're we're starting with the three thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um, ADP date. So there's 19 drafts. Those are the ones that are hot off the press. So I figure those those would be uh, worth looking at here and kind of seeing what's what's changing. Shohei Otani looks like he's up. Interestingly enough, a five pick jump here Whoa. to pick 82. Have you seen anything from him this spring training that uh, that has you interested in him? Where are you on Shohei Otani after actually seeing some things? I love the skills. I really do. Uh, and the stuff seems when he seems to have command of things, uh, he has uh, some pitches that seem unhittable. Uh, mm. he, he doesn't always have great command. I think he's still getting a feel for things. But here's my issue with him: is like I just don't trust the innings. Like, and I just I, I want to get a share, but I don't think I'm going to be able to afford one. What do you what what kind of what innings count are you looking at? I mean, th- that's the thing. It's like, you know, we just have no clue. What, I mean, you know, would it surprise me if he got 120 this year? No. Would it surprise me if he got 160? No. So, like, but that's a pretty okay. big gap. Sure, but but look where he's going around, like a Rich Hill, um, Lance McCullers. You know, they carry that, that same sort of – no, he's going a good bit ahead of mm-hmm. Rich Hill. Pardon me on that. Um, and Lance McCars, it looks like. So I'm out, I'm out of pocket on that one. I guess that's that's your point, because they're going 127 and 132 respectively, Hill and McCullers. And um, here's the here's the way I get a guy like Otani. I've taken one of the big four. I take Otani as my number two pitcher, and then I immediately go get Jeff Samarja because I know there's going to be innings. Yeah. And I think that, you know, as far as going back to that that scale of, like, injury risk and, and innings betting, he gets a pretty high rank, uh, Jeff Samarja does. You, you, you would put him, obviously he could get hurt, but everything that he, we've seen out of him suggests that he's going to be out there going at least a buck 80. But I just, I don't um, know, I don't know if that is going to be feasible in most drafts. That's my only, my yeah, only no, concern. Yeah, no, I... I, I feel that, and like I said, I, I thought that Otani was going closer to those those guys that have a similar innings concern, and they're not. So in that instance, that makes sense. And as I mentioned a few times on the show, I, I was getting Otani like past pick ninety in some stuff, and I was like, okay, I I can deal with that. It's only like a ten pick difference off the ADP, but it, you know. It's it's basically around in a lot of cases, and it, and it feels a lot better. It feels a lot more comfortable to do that. And right now, it's looking like, hey, 
we've seen enough positive stuff that he looks like he's on the move upward, and that's going to price me out. I'm probably not going to have him in a lot of situations. Uh, anybody else within, let's say, the uh, – so unfortunately it mixes starting pitchers and relief pitchers, um, and that's – Annoying to me. I feel like <laughs> they could code it differently. When it was on stats last year, they had them separated. So I'm just saying. It <laughs> yeah, Greg. Like it could be separate, Greg. Greg I yeah, asked him about this. it. He said, <laughs> "Now he said it was difficult." Mm. And I said, "Okay, but uh, it'd be really helpful." I'm just saying. So since the the closers are mixed in, let's say cut it at around uh, pitcher 32, which I guess you can say 34 because there's two closers after that. So after Luis, uh, starting with Luis Castillo and moving back up to the top, any other guys in there that you wanted to get any uh, thoughts on that have changed over the last month where you're like, hey, I've got new info, so I'm moving them up or down? No. I think, I mean, I, I've moved Luis Castillo up. Um, you know, I'm buying back in and maybe that's largely because I took him as my starting pitcher one in the great fantasy baseball invitational. Um, Ooh, what, what, what'd you put around him? That's interesting. Uh, my pitching staff is not good. Um, okay. I am in some serious trouble in that league. Um, I, I have Zach Godley. I've got, uh, Alex Wood. Um, it's, 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 I, I waited to progress. Yeah, I waited too long on starting pitcher, and one of the reasons I drafted uh, Castillo because I'm not—I'm definitely not the high man on him, even though I, I moved him up almost ten spots to uh, pick twenty-five or uh, starting pitcher number twenty-five. Um, I feel like his perceived value might be greater than his actual value, and so I'm hoping that with my offense being as powerful as it is, I might be able to package him up. Uh, with you know a George Springer or uh, you know maybe even a lesser player and go get a uh, an, a real ace that I love. Okay, okay, yeah. See, I ended up with uh, with Scherzer and ours in, in my in my uh, great great invitational team. So when I was looking at him, I ended up taking Price. When I was looking at Castillo, I, I ended up taking Price, knowing that I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a good bit of shares of both. It's gonna be hard to get both on the sa- on a same team, so I just went with the Price one here because I was taking Albies, and I just thought it would be a little too on the nose to go Albies Castillo. But I honestly, I should have done it. I'm well, such, I'm such a wuss. and like it taught. I mean, it taught me from a uh, from a strategy perspective. You know, I was picking second overall, and I've been talking to, you know, I want to pick one or two for the most part, because I really feel like by the time it gets back to me in the second, third rounds, there's still some elite talent on the board. There's usually an arm, too. Why didn't you mm-hmm. get maybe well, and see, that's was the, Severino not there? And that was the thing. Like, Sev, I thought I'd get Severino in the third. He went on the 2-3 the turn uh, to oh, Kyle Bishop. So you would have had to take him with so, your second pick. I would have had to take, like, a Bumgarner, who I've been down on, a, a Carrasco. And I just felt like, okay, there's so many starting pitchers in that next kind of, you know, glob of tier of guys that I'll, I'll, one will fall to me in the fourth round. Well, so, sometimes it doesn't. And so yeah, I was like, going to say, so what happened there? Um, <laughs> now we're talking about the Granky, uh, Verlander, Nola, Darvish, mm, Archer, Robbie Ray, Carlos Martinez, Ray, Archer, Quintana, Darvish. Those sorts of guys? All of them went before wow. it got back to me. Uh, in the, it goes all the way back down mm-hmm. to the third, and then so another run to the fourth. It was either you. pull the trigger on a Quintana or a Keuchel, um, 
in the fourth, fifth round or ju- just keep loading up on offense. And so I did. I just loaded up on offense. But it's it's left me uh, <laughs> pretty thin at the starting pitcher tier. So it's one of those things. If you're picking up towards the, you know, the front and you get to that 2-3 turn, uh, in a 15-team league, I, I would definitely click on a pitcher. Um, yeah, it looks like you got to go a pitcher or else you're going to have – Pickens that you might not be as comfortable with. It's interesting on Jose Quintana because I think a lot of people feel like I really want him as my two, even though that you know we all rank him in the top twenty. We're fine with that as, and obviously in a fifteen-team league, assuming they went in in direct order, uh, he would be he would be a number two on you know one of those first five teams if you were just kind of saying let's go in that in that particular order. But it it seems like once it comes to taking Quintana for the for the frontliner for the for the ace, people back off, and I, I wonder if maybe maybe that shouldn't be the case. I mean, uh, another workhorse, thirty two plus starts uh, every year since thirteen. Um, the the strikeouts took a boost last year, and even if they don't hold completely just facing the pitcher is going to help uh, keep them up and not only did the strikeouts take a boost if you look at his numbers from when he was traded on and i know it's a short sample it's you know beginning sure. of august to the end of the year 10 strikeouts per nine see so that yeah they were jumped overall and into the uh um when he came to the national league they were already jumped when he was just with chicago or excuse me, that doesn't narrow it down. When he was just with the White Sox, <laughs> but then when uh, Quintana went over to the to the Cubs, it jumped even more. So that was that was really nice. That was Im- impressive to see. And so I wonder if maybe people should be more comfortable saying, "Hey, he can be he can be the fantasy ace." If I because obviously you're getting big offense um, if you're mm-hmm. waiting till when Quintana goes. Let's get his ADP out here. It is. 69 oh what a nice what a nice adp nice, there nice 69th and um so you know you've made you've made a good handful of picks of offense to really set the team up maybe you've taken jansen uh before that as your first pitcher and then you would feel even more comfortable taking a quintana if you were worried about the k's but i don't know i i think he can lead a fantasy staff it would be a similar situation to what you said about granky i would want to then get another one pretty mm-hmm. quickly something like a quintana cole I or, really... I mean, even a Quintana Castillo, you know, get yes, the kind of safety absolutely. floor, you know, if I was to kind of go back and do that part of my draft, instead of taking E5, who I love, in the fifth round, I would have taken Quintana and then come back and taken Castillo. Uh, that would have been nice. Yeah, that would that would have felt uh, a little bit better. And again, you know, it's a trading league, so it's not like NFBC where you can't trade, so. Yeah, so you can you can make moves. Uh, let's, let's jump down here. Next up, and... Again, I, I can't tell you the exact SP that he is because it, it's blending them all together, and I, I stupidly didn't do the work of copy pasting it and, and deleting all the relievers. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but the, so we're just count, we're doing their pitcher count, the 35th pitcher off the board, um, and I'd, I'd assume like six or seven closers mixed in here is Jose Barrios, pick 100. He's become a little bit of a polarizing uh, figure in the in the community, I believe, because some are saying, "What the hell am I drafting here?" And others are saying, "No, I'm fine with it. Yeah, he had a nice season last year, and there's expectations of a jump forward." Um, remind me of your thoughts on Jose Brios, because I actually don't remember from the from the first episode. I'm I'm torn between the what what the hell 
are we getting here? Mm-hmm. And loving the prospect as he was coming up. Exactly. And exactly. I feel like the prospect stuff is influencing, um, you know, where I'm willing to take him, uh, you know, in a draft. I mean, it's hard because if I mean, you look at like the last month and a half, the last six weeks or so, uh, 309 ERA, the FIP was right in line with it, like exactly in line with it. Uh, you know, almost 10 strikeouts per nine, uh, really was a great on the, you know, at, at limiting the home runs. Um, you know, so I mean, like, there's obviously talent here. I just don't know how consistent of a guy he's going to be year to year, or uh, week to week. So I think there's going to be struggles that are going to be really frustrating, and you're going to have a hard time halfway through the season figuring out which starts you should sit him and which ones you won't. Yeah, I, I can I can understand that, and so you know, I guess I guess we'll see. We'll see if Brios can kind of take that step forward and, and unlock a, a strikeout level with his stuff. Because when you watch him on a, on a good day, you see how the stuff can start to miss more bats. But right now, it hasn't been there in the numbers. This is definitely one of those guys where there's not neon flashing signs pointing to a breakout. It's more of, hey, I've seen the guy's stuff. I believed in him as the prospect, as you mentioned. And I think Jose Barrios is, is better than what we've seen. So I'm kind of betting on the leap, even though it's not fully in the major league numbers and that's kind of where i come out like i I really do like him and he is somebody i'm willing willing to bet on you know i see um you know mike has him 68th and that that just seems so low for me and i'm I'm kind of looking to see who some of the guys are that are ahead of him i'm sure there's gonna be tons that I'm, i'm questioning i don't know like i don't see why charlie morton has to be ahead of him yeah i mean i and i like morton you sure. know, I, I want to see him get more first strikes. He's like right below. Yeah, he's like, you know, and yeah. I wonder if like him falling behind at times throws him a little bit as a young pitcher. You know, on the plus side, he's got a really nice defense in the outfield behind him. You know, so maybe that helps limit some things, but I don't know. It just, it just, with the guys going behind him, that's the thing. Like, there's so much upside going behind him. Do I really want to bank that? This is the year he breaks out because, yeah. like you always say, prospect growth isn't linear. Yeah, and exactly, and I think that's a big part of of driving some of the um, indecisiveness about Barrios is that you know, okay, do I really have to jump here? I can I can get Lance McCullers afterwards. I can get Garrett Richards. You know, uh, folks, plenty of folks still believe in like an Alex Wood, even David Price. You know, David Price going after him. I'm not taking. I'm not taking Barrios ahead of David Price and 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 several others that people are making cases for. And it's like, you know, I've been saying, hey, Luke Weaver's probably a little bit too high, and I can't really differentiate between Weaver and Barrios. You know? So um I definitely think that I, I understand the indecisiveness and divisiveness, I should say, around Barrios, and I'll be interested um, to track him this year because I'm definitely gonna have a share, but I don't know that I'm gonna overload. All right, let's keep moving down here and uh, dip into past pitcher 40 and into pick 110 and beyond. Speaking of Weaver, there was a great piece on him working on a, on a slurve ball um, to give him kind of that third offering. He really, really heavy fastball changeup. 
which is a positive because having a great changeup is is really nice when a, when you see that from a young player. But at the same time, it, it's, it's a little bit of a negative because uh, he became too predictable, and he was concerned about that. And, and we hadn't really seen a, a third offering that that was given much more than show me status. He had a curveball last year and and a three percent cutter, and maybe he's kind of mixing those two, and hence a little slurve ball, a little slider, a little slider curve. Um, the, the article also talked a lot about about how his drop and drive helps him. And so it had me feeling a little bit better about Luke Weaver. I, the thing of it is, I'm not anti-Luke Weaver. The market is just bananas, Luke Weaver. Uh, where are you on the young Cardinals, righty? I think you just nailed it right there, is that the market is is insane. Um, and I love this guy, man, but I, 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 can't, I can't get behind the prices. And I just don't know how sustainable that strikeout rate we saw uh, last year is. I mean, this was a guy who was never touted as a strikeout pitcher. He was always going to be control first, which which, which is the reason it made him so attractive for fantasy, because he mm-hmm. really felt like he had a really safe floor. And now every you know we saw the you know this strikeout bump, and people are like, well, he's got that really safe floor, and he's got strikeouts now, and people it's are like, going uh, insane. Yeah, so I mean, like if the strikeouts drop to you know. Uh, 22% is like, does he have the same kind of upside? I mean, it's not bad, you know, but no. And then how's he any different from Waka at that point mm-hmm. and, and, and a less developed Waka? Cause he still hasn't eclipsed a hundred major league innings. And so going back to the comment about prospect growth, not being linear, it's like, you know, I like, I like Luke Weaver, but only to a degree. And it just doesn't look like the market is going to allow me to get him at a price that I think is fair and of course, that's that's the deciding factor on so many different things, and pitching especially can can vary wildly. And I'm certainly up on some guys that a lot of folks um, aren't nearly as high on. You know, I just kind of act like Garrett Richards is everybody in everybody's top 35, and I mean he's pitcher 59 here, pitch pitch uh, excuse me, pick 162, and so definitely I'm I'm much higher on, on a guy like that. So you know, I'm convicted with Richards. Folks are convicted with Weaver. I get it. Hell, they pitched the same amount of innings last year. In fact, wait, I think Weaver actually pitched more <laughs> in the major leagues than than Richards. Um, okay, let's keep going. And here, let me reshuffle this. Real quick before we move on, though. like, oh, you know, The more and more I dig into Luke Weaver, how did he strike out so many guys? See, I was going to bring that like, up. Like, I just don't like, – I'm, I'm looking there at his was... O-swing percentage. I'm looking at his swinging strike rate. Like, Like, the numbers don't add up. You know what it was? Um, our own Nick Pollock mentioned this. He said the foul balls. Mm. And we talked about it. I remember talking about this on the pod where I was like, well, that's interesting because that's being used as a positive factor. And I remember when, when Justin Verlander was coming up, it was very much a negative factor is that he would get fouled off so often it would keep guys in, the, in, in counts and they'd eventually get to him. And it was it was a big factor when he was young because he would just keep pumping ninety ninety five plus, and they were they weren't quite timing it, but they were tipping it off, staying, 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 and then after like five foul balls on the fastball, he'd go something soft, speed up their bats, and boom, base hit. You know, obviously that's anecdotal, but foul balls were definitely an issue for Verlander early, and it's interesting to see it maybe be used as a positive to get into the two strike counts for Weaver. But I'm not sure I'm going to bank on that 
to sustain a 27% strikeout rate. And it was 29 last year, but uh, 27 the year before, so let's just call it 28. Um, I, I can't bet on that for Weaver. What do you think of the foul ball theory? I mean, that's really interesting. I mean, I don't know. Like, he's not a guy who... You know, I mean, there were times where he really lived in the zone last year. And I just, if, like you said, like you, people get too many looks at your stuff, and, and eventually, uh, you know, good hitters are going to take advantage if, if they're getting that many looks. Plus, I worry about that, like racking up pitch counts and how deep is he going to be able to go. Exactly. And that was the thing with Verlander, too, is that all of a sudden he's at 75 pitches in like the fifth inning. And you're like, well, this is going to be a short day. Like he's not, he's not going deep tonight. And so, it's interesting because, um, like, if you look at his last three starts, he went five innings, three innings, and four and you know two thirds. Were teams starting to figure him out a little bit? It seems perhaps maybe they were because I mean, when you are generating the foul balls there too, and it's it is fastball changeup. It's just it's just a, a complete timing mechanism at that point. And yeah, the the changeup's going to have some movement, but you're really just trying to time it up and and look for anything in that arm movement that's going to tip you off as to which one's coming. And so I don't know. I wouldn't see that as a positive. The slurve ball definitely piqued my interest, and and I said okay, I, I like seeing that. This was a, a great article to read. Um, I can even move him up a few slots off of it, off of knowing that he's working on another pitch. But I still can't get him in in the range that uh, the market has him. Like, yeah, I, I still have him at forty five. It's it's not, you know. I mean, maybe I bump him up to forty one. But do I really? Yeah. I don't know how comfortable I am bumping him up over Michael Waka, who I've got at forty two. See, I'm with you there because I I don't know. I just feel like. When you kind of look at them as is, like Waka seems like a more developed version mm-hmm. because his changeup was kind of his calling card coming up. Uh, he's got more of the pitch arsenal, but yeah, I'd, I'd rather go for Waka. So I'm, I'm totally with you there. Uh, let's keep jumping down here. Trevor Bauer, 50th <laughs> pitcher, 134. It just seems to be one of those guys I don't draft. Um how do you feel about about Trevor Bauer? I think a lot of folks are are ready to say breakout season incoming, and I mean, at least with him, there would actually be there's there's like room for one. I hate when people tab somebody for a breakout that's like fully broken out and like formed, but he's never been under a four ERA. Bauer hasn't. He's gonna be age twenty seven, coming off a big skills jump, two added two strikeouts per nine. Is this the year? We getting a big year this year out of Trevor Bauer? I want to say like I'm 70% sure it is, but like I have to reserve like a 30% for the fact that he just tinkers all the time. Yes. Like, you know, the problem is like, I love the skill changes, but he's one of those guys that have had skill changes all throughout his career because he likes to F around with things. Yeah, because he's always, always adjusting something. Mm -hmm. You're like, well, that's a skill change. That's a skill change. He's always adding new pitches and changing pitches and changing grips and, and like it's, like at some point you go, okay, last year was really good, dude. Let's stick with what we did last let's, year. Let's keep let's keep up with that one. Mm-hmm. So no, I, I totally agree. You I know, totally I mean, agree. I have him at thirty-one because I do believe in the upside, and I've liked I've, Bauer's been one of my guys for a long time. I, you know, I just okay. keep going back to the well. But like, it's also like in a point in my ranks where I go difference between you know Bauer at 31 and 
I don't know. Uh, let's see. Jameson Tyon at 48. Yeah. Like, I could easily, like, make an argument that, you know, maybe Tyon's the guy to go with. So, I'm not, you know, it's it's not a huge difference for me. It's going to depend on my roster construction of my of my starting staff uh, on whether or not I'm willing to take a guy like uh, Trevor Bauer because I want some safety along with him. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, you you want something that you feel a little bit more stable in because he does have a pretty volatile range of outcomes just kind of looking at his last four years, 455 to 419. And there's always there's always a whip with it too. Like that's actually not a massive ERA split. I always talk about how like it feels. You know, you, you see oh f- 420 to 455. Wow, and it's like no, it's it's not really that much. We're talking actually. He threw the same amount of innings in both those seasons, so it works out to easily just say it's seven runs different. <laughs> that's nothing. So, um, but th- there's always that whip too, and you're always worried. That is it going to be a 4.95 ERA? Because then that is obviously something. If you're piling on uh, 175 innings of a of a near five ERA, so at least the strikeouts were there this year though too, because they'll have strikeout outings. Bauer will big double digit strikeout outings, but always was around eight strikeouts per nine. And you're like, what the heck? It's because those <laughs> those tough outings that he has. Um, where he gets clobbered, he strikes out one in four innings and gives up seven runs, you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, the um, thing is, like, you look at what he did after the All Star break, and it's just hit me with some numbers if you have them. Yeah, two. I think uh, two sixty ERA. Um, you know, eight or nine point eight seven uh, strikeouts per nine. Got the walks under two and a half per nine. Uh, the whip whip was still higher than you probably like to see, but much lower than what his overall numbers were at one two five. Oh yeah, yeah, I, you can live with that with what with everything else that uh, that he does that that Bauer does. You can live with that. Yeah, I mean he just you know he started to, he started to get on top of hitters a little bit more at fifty seven and a half percent for a strike rate. Um, you know he wasn't living in the zone, which sometimes can be an issue for him. Um, so I. I you know like I see the skill changes and I go uh, this is a guy I want on my team, but there is there's huge risk. It's a risk reward thing. And I think it's a it's an equation that that can be done fairly in the market though. I don't think one thirty four on an average is obscene because uh, you know if you're down at that one fifty range uh, past past Bowers ADP, then you feel like you're getting yourself a little bit of bargain. So. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's keep let's keep meandering along here. I'm actually going to reference your your rankings here a little bit too in comparison to the ADP. Lance McCullers is a guy I've mentioned a couple times already. Um, he's at 132 pick range. You've got him as your 26th pitcher though. You got him top 30. Um, you're willing to bet on the upside, right? Obviously, dude. Have you seen this new team two seamer? It's so filthy. Yeah, the, like the, the, stop what, what he's you're, everybody, able to do. Yeah, everybody what, like pause the podcast and go to Twitter. Uh, look up pitching ninja at pitching ninja and find Lance McCullers' new uh, two seamer, um, and then lock yourself in your room for a little bit and have some you know uh, you know time with yourself because it's 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 amazing. Don't do it at work. You'll get fired. No, yeah, don't. I mean, um, and like this was pointed out to me by by Doug Thorburn, uh, who I had on uh, the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast earlier this week. Um, and like, I just, I literally watched the GIF and it's, it's a comparison between 2017's two seamer 
and uh, in 2018's one that he's debuted so far in spring training. Um, and I, I literally watched the GIF nonstop play over and over for about 15 minutes. I don't blame you. I mean, when that guy, the the, the things McCullers is able to do with the baseball is just insane. It's it's really really impressive, for sure. Uh, I want to ask about one here. This one might be a typo. I'm not gonna lie. So I don't want to blow up your spot until I uh, learn. Is Jimmy Nelson supposed to be 51 yeah. with the time he's going to miss? Mm-hmm. I'm interested in that then because um, he, he's really low on the other rankings, and I, obviously they're worried about the, the, the time missed and thus uh, you know it being a shoulder as well, shoulder surgery. Possible that the original June estimation could be pushed all the way back to the All-Star break per Roto World. That was back on February 28th, though. How do you get him fifty first? You know, I, I'm I'm a big Jimmy Nelson guy, um, and I, I rank for like a twelve team league, and mm-hmm. so in a twelve team league, you're gonna have replacement value. He's a guy you're gonna you're gonna put on your your waiver wire, and um, you know if if the if more news comes out that this is actually gonna be a big setback, then obviously I'll dump him down. But I mean, looking at the guys below him, I just you know maybe I should have him in the sixty range but like i'm not pushing him pass down below like Denelson lamette you know like i'm <laughs> no, just I don't. like i'm not like i mean it's you know maybe 51 is a, is a bit bold but in in a 12 team league you've got a decent enough replacement value that uh you're going to get stats while he's out it's not like this is a day-to-day thing where you've got to keep him locked in on your roster um and i just i you know what he showed last year i think is 100% legitimate, and uh, I'm willing to take the gamble on it. So uh, this obviously would then strongly assume that you have a DL spot. To, yes, if so you're you playing like just... NFBC where you can't, um, I mean outside of the 50-round draft and holds, um, if you're playing in leagues with really shallow amounts of DL slots, obviously you gotta you got to bump them down a bit. But you're also getting him, what, like, I want to say like around pick 220 or something like that? Yeah, he's not very expensive. Let me find Jimmy Nelson. Three twenty. Yeah. So I mean, like three twenty. So he's he's like free. You don't have to draft him there. No. And that's like one of the things. It's like this isn't necessarily like a draft guide. Take him here. It's I really like him to to be a a, a worthy asset. Maybe take him higher than his three twenty. Don't let it wait too long. Throw him on the DL in the leagues where you can do that. That's an underrated. Um, aspect is is you know especially if you have unlimited DL spots of course that opens things up a lot. You just stockpile some of these guys in the draft, knowing that the replacement value for those picks after the draft when you have to replace them is not going to be that that bad. And that's what that's what you're saying, I assume. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, okay. like I'm, God, I, I you know like it's like I I'll probably move him down before we post these, but. He's not dropping out of the top 60 for me. Okay. I can get behind it. I, I don't usually mess with guys that are hurt, especially out that long. Um, so I wouldn't take him. But uh, the the rationale, especially for the league type that you're talking about, 10 and 12 team, uh, at least at least makes sense to me. Uh, all right, let's keep going here. Let me see. Um, Alex Wood is where? 20th rich hill is 35th and kent maeda is 52nd what's the difference what's the difference between those guys yes i mean 
I, I think I probably need to... Maeda is one of those guys I need to move up. Rich Hill is like a hard guy for me to rank because like, I just don't trust... I just don't know how many innings I'm get. I had him at 25. I don't want to be the hot potato with him, man. Yeah. Like when it's when it's that old, you're like it's coming, and I don't know, man. But like if he wanna... puts together 165 innings, dude, he could be great in a buck thirty. That's the yeah. thing. He's so good when he pitches. It's so crazy, and it's so difficult to rank him. So I understand that. I think I'm more um, advocating for Maeda at that point because on the, the per inning, he's he's pretty up there with them. That's why I kind of had all three of them ranked together uh the last time i did sp ranks back in in january yeah i mean maeda for me like the the hard part is you know i i see the you know the 130 34 innings last year the contract is extremely geared towards uh the amount of innings he throws and like so the dodgers save a ton of money each year um and an already great deal by the way yeah by you know because he gets for those who don't know he gets uh, two hundred fifty thousand dollars for every ten innings pitched, um, after uh after ninety innings. So wow. and, and then he gets a million dollars for his fifteenth, twentieth, twenty fifth, thirtieth, and thirty second start. And so like the Dodgers have financial gain, you know, and a team that's close to the luxury tax, like like to not crazy. start him. And I think I think there was some gamesmanship with it last year with the you know. You know, if if you go over the hardball times, I got an article up on uh, on there about the ten day DL and the effect. And really, the effect was the Dodgers screwed with everybody. Yeah, they did. And yeah, like, they did. And like this is a team that uh, already heavily uses the bullpen. You know, they don't want their starters going super long outside of Kershaw when he's in there. So mm-hmm. like, I, I wonder like, is wins going to be an issue? Are innings going to be an issue? I love the skills. Like if you told me I could pencil in 160 innings of Kenta Maeda, I would be bun- bumping him up 15 to 20 spots. Okay. Um, and I still may bump him up. You know, right now I've got him at 52. He'll definitely go above Jimmy Nelson. I could put him above Danny Duffy. Um, you know, and maybe maybe I bump him up to like above, right above Luke Weaver at 45. You know, or, you know, I think I need to probably move down Danny Salazar a little bit since he's going to start the year on the DL. So maybe he gets in the top 42, 43, something like that. Um, But I I can't bump him up a huge amount more than that because I just don't trust the Dodgers. And that's, again, that's so fair. And that's what I was saying about with the Kershaw thing, too. And they're not going to jerk him around too much. That's Clayton Kershaw. Mm -hmm. Let's be real. But they're also going to look out you know they're going to be cautious where they can and and when that back crops up they are going to say okay then we got to shut it down man you got to take some time off like there's no sense like gutting it out again in those you know relatively meaning not meaningless but not as uh not as crazy sorts of uh sorts of games when we're talking about uh they've got the series locked up uh, you know two uh, two out of three they won the first two and it's against a team that's not that difficult spot starter give give kershaw a break they could definitely do it with kershaw that means i'm gonna for sure be doing it with the other guys Mm -hmm. all right let's see here you have chase anderson higher than the other guys i'm gonna be up there with you um you know just because it'll be brought up in the comments he is getting (laughs) rocked in spring training i don't really i'm not really too concerned about it i haven't seen him either so i that's i'm just like I haven't heard anything that suggests 
why why he would be getting rocked. So I'm not going to freak out over it. But um, Chase Anderson, how how do you feel? What, give me some detailed thoughts on him as your number 37 pitcher. You know, the skill changes came in large part uh, due to the velocity bump that he got after coming back off uh, of the DL. And mm-hmm. as long as that velocity is still there, and I haven't read uh, anything to the contrary. Um, Nor have I. Then I still am going to believe in the changes that he made. You know, is, is he going to repeat what he did at the end of the season last year? No, I don't, I, and I'm not ranking him to compete or uh, uh, repeat it. But like, like I look at depth charts and Steamer and Zips, and they've got him like well over four. I mean, Steamer's got him as a four uh, seven seven ERA. Like, there's no way he puts that up. Um, you know, no, he's I, like a mid threes guy. Yeah, I just don't see him. Like, I guess he'd have to give back all the home run gains, and and that's what really they're saying. Steamer's projecting him to almost double his home run rate from last year. Okay, and I guess there's the there's the st- statistical backing for it because of of what he used to have, mm-hmm. uh, Chase Anderson, with his home run issue. But I'm just I'm just not seeing it that way personally so you know, maybe he gets um, hit by a few more you know there's obviously you know there's degrees of variance you know in seasons year to year you know and you know he gives back three or four more home runs and that raises things around the horn but he's not a he's not a four or five guy he's a he's a three five era guy yeah i'm i'm, I'm with that uh 100 on chase anderson so you and i are going to be the higher ones on him and um like I said, I, I I deep dove on the changes after he got his contract extension, and I saw I saw bankability and in, in, or believability in terms of the in terms of the changes. Obviously, whether or not he keeps that, that there there is no guaranteeing that. But I feel confident that that he can hold those gains, and I'm really eager to see what Chase Anderson does this year. Um, there's a massive disparity between Cal Hendricks. And, uh, between you and Mike, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be there with you, and so it's, it's, it really is almost Mike, Jeff, Justin, Paul, because I'm gonna be down there. You got him at 55. I'm gonna have him right around 50. Uh, let's see, I think I had him exactly 50. I had him 51. I don't know, man. It's just the margin for error. Like I know mm-hmm. that he, I know that he makes it work. I know that, like, it, I'm not trying to just be lazy and be like, well, Velocity, he, he well, sucks. And, and there is, like, like you know, when people go and look at ranks, and they look at, you know, we've got four rankers this year, you, me, uh, Jeff Zimmerman, and, and Mike Podorzer. Now, you and I have similar or, you know, closer uh, ranking styles, and so sure. do, and Jeff and Mike have, you know, very close ranking styles. They rank on based on pers- you know on what their projections projection. say projections yeah. say are gonna have the value or you know are gonna be end of the year values. That's not how I rank. Like I can't that- imagine taking uh, Kyle Hendricks as my number two pitcher, and that's virtually what their ranks say. Exactly, and that's something I've I've agonized with on the rankings, especially pitcher rankings. Am I putting together a draft list or am I putting together kind of an end of season guess? And some people will say, well, what's the difference? There's, of course there's a difference, though, because I'm going to take guys who have a higher volatility um, to, to perform big and maybe blow up my face than I am, say, a Jay Happ, who I think is just going to be a, a solid, steady guy. But if I'm trying to guess the end of season, I'll probably put him 
you know, I had him 60th in January. I would probably, if I was trying to guess the end of season, I'd probably put J-Hap 45th. But I'm not taking him over the guys that I have there. So it doesn't make sense to me to do that. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, what this rank says is I'm out. It's, I mean, it's... Exactly. It's, and I think that that's okay to say that, even though even though that means that there's kind of two different philosophies. I'm sorry, that's just the way it's going to be because I'm not going to ask Mike and Jeff to change and like put all their gut feelings into it because they do it with their numbers. But I'm also not going to then change to that myself and create a projection system, nor am I going to ask you to do that. So we are, in the end, going to end up having competing strategies. And, you know, honestly, I don't think that's necessarily a problem because if you're kind of looking at the the averages anyway and then kind of assessing how you feel about the rankers and taking that in it's all feel anyway Mm -hmm. just because they have statistical numbers that's a snapshot that's a snapshot projection i don't think that it's inherently um well above what we do in terms you know and and i also don't think that what we do is i certainly wouldn't be like well this is the only way to do it because the projections it's going to work, but what I think you know always talked about this. What projections are going to miss is like breakouts and stuff, and that's I think what you and I mm-hmm. we embrace that volatility. We kind of we kind of chase that a little bit, and I think I'm even more open to chasing it lately because I've really committed to becoming a better in season manager. And so when that stuff doesn't work, I'm going to start. I start jumping off a little bit earlier and saying, okay, it's a miss here, knowing that I might cut somebody who does come back around that I believed in. In in shorthand, stop getting so precious about players and picks. And at the back end of your roster, when you, where they're supposed to be churn, be ready to churn and and make those moves. There is no perfect timetable. You can't say, well, it's three weeks. And after three weeks, you can make a decision. It's case by case. But you're going to be wrong sometimes. And that's why if you make a higher volume, though, you'll make up for it. And the hits are always going to pay off more than the losses are going to hurt. Because... Just because the guy excelled somewhere, it doesn't automatically hurt you. What if he excels on the seventh place team, and you're and you're in third, gunning for it? You know, so I don't know. I, I'm kind of meandering on on philosophy here, but I really do think the two of us are much uh, more 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 closely aligned, and that's why we're going to have some guys that are just like way up. Another one in that same vein. Well, actually, I'll let you respond to that, and then I want to talk about another guy that I think fits that same exact sort of vein. Wait, wait, who are we talking about now? <laughs> no, 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 I wasn't going to bring him up yet. I just, I, I said a whole bunch. I figured if you needed to respond to that, no. then I could bring I, up the guy. Okay. Go ahead. Aaron Sanchez, I, I think, is a big guy like that. I love Aaron Sanchez. And I mean, so you do I. saw what he did two years ago. But, but the projection system after a busted year and some sketchiness in that big season, sketchiness meaning. Mm-hmm. It wasn't fully statistically supported. Like he doesn't get a lot of swing and miss, and I don't know how much ground ball rates can carry you. And just I don't even know if either of them put uh, either Mike or Jeff put like stuff ratings into it because he's got really nasty stuff. Aaron Sanchez does, and you know he wasn't healthy last year at all. It was a busted season. So I get why, and, and he had a one-four strikeout to walk ratio in 2015. So if it's like a three-year projection, I understand why it would be a crap projection, mm-hmm. and that's why Mike has a 114, Jeff has him 86. You have him 40, I have him 34, because I can't 114. No way. Yeah, no, I just I can't get, 
I can't get behind that. That like I I mean and like don't get me wrong like I like I understand why people are going to be skeptical and this is why he's going so low in ADP currently going. Wait, look, you yeah, got that? Yeah, hundred and ninety third overall, sixty eighth pitcher off the board. Sorry, I am bouncing because we have your rankings. Um, we're not doing the, the, the exact ADP thing that we've done in the other mm-hmm. positions. So I appreciate you. If we forget to mention a guy's ADP when we bring him up, let's let's one of us try to remember that. Sorry, yeah, continue. I just luckily it was <laughs> right at that spot because uh, he's going he's going about uh, 20 picks later than, than Chase Anderson um, okay. in terms of overall ADP. Uh, I would pair them. I would be comfortable pairing them. Yeah. Um, and like getting both. Yeah, I, I would too. I mean, like I just think why like this is a guy that was again a top prospect mm-hmm. has nasty stuff. Like if you watch him pitch, the thing it's top of the scale stuff. Yeah, and so I mean it, it just it screams that more strikeouts are coming, and so I think people are looking at the swinging strike rates, um, uh, especially from last year when his it was hands were getting torn up by these blisters. Um, and they're going a 5.6% strikeout rate. This guy doesn't strike anybody out. Well, I mean, it was much better uh, in 2016, even though it wasn't great, and it had been progressively getting better year to year. Um, well, and and if you watch him, he's another guy that, like, uh, Aaron Sanchez doesn't need to mm-hmm. amass a, a boatload of strikeouts because of how nasty that stuff is. You're beating it into the ground. You can't do anything with it. So he doesn't have to get all all the strikeouts in the world. They'd be great. They'd make him better for a fantasy standpoint. But I don't think that they're necessary to sustain his success. I don't think that not developing a strikeout rate is an automatic impediment to Aaron Sanchez having another big season. In in other words, I don't think what he did in in sixteen was a fluke. Yeah, I don't plain either. and simple. I'm and I and you know for me as long as he's not getting the blisters and so far. Everything is good through spring training. He's healthy. Looks real good so far. Yeah, yeah. and so Pitching like well. I'm, I'm, I'm all aboard. I'm gonna have a ton of shares. I already do have a ton of shares. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually quite excited about somebody like Aaron Sanchez. I'm a little bummed you're so excited because I mean, obviously we're, we're going, we're dueling. Yeah, we're dueling in uh, in two days. So, um, yeah, that 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 may be a little bit of a bidding war. Could well be, good sir. In fact, we're going to have a lot of them, I think, because we do, we do have some similar outlooks on, on a lot of on a lot of these different players here. You mentioned Waka earlier, definitely somebody I'm eyeing. Um, everyone knows that I, I don't shut up about him. Uh, you hit on a guy earlier. I want to I want to circle back to and maybe talk a little bit about kind of his broad upside. What what do you think Jamison Tyon could really do? Um, you know, in a realistic uh, breakthrough season here, what, what what do you think that would look like? I mean, for him, it's all about health, and I mean, and he he missed a lot of time last year, but it wasn't like the usual health stuff with him. I mean, for those oh, yeah. who don't know, yeah, I mean, for those who don't know about Tyon's history, you know, I mean, he had uh, Tommy John, and then he had like hernia surgeries, and you know, things that just kept him out. Well, last year he missed time because he had testicular cancer, and he came back and pitched. Dude and got pitched diagnosed well. with cancer. And not only, like, did he beat the cancer, um, he, like, came back and he was great. He was brilliant off the top, had a couple wonky starts, and then finished strong, if I recall correctly. So if you just look from, like, cancer on, uh, that might be a – I'm not trying to be flip or anything when I say it, but I'm saying if you look from when he returned – 
the ERA might not might not jump out, and you're like, okay, well, that's not that good. But if you take out that there was like two duds in a row, yeah, he had a 4.85 ERA, um, and you're like, okay, well, come on, relax. He had 17 earned runs in six and two thirds over two starts. It was a bad week. He had a bad week. He's just he, coming back. He's you know, it's his first couple starts. I um, mean, what if he had to have like I, I don't know, I don't know how treatment goes, but like, what if he had to have something that you know, go in for some sort of treatment that kind of fatigued him um, as as kind of a maintenance measure or something like that. I, I don't know. I could be talking out my ass on that one, but I'm I'm just saying like to give the guy a bad week. I'm not gonna. That's where that's where box score investigation is important though, because the reason we do it is not to say that those two starts don't count, right? Anyone can have a mm-hmm. blow up, and and the, and blow ups do count. But it's always for me, it's always a better sign to see. Okay, there was a shit week here and then he had a 350 outside of that as opposed to take those 17 runs and scatter them in a bunch of four five and six earned run outings when he was just kind of meh couldn't make it through the third time without giving up those two extra runs you know stuff like that instead it was dominant 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 awful week from hell and then mostly dominant the rest of the way another bad start in september against uh the cubs but that was a completely random one so there's nothing to like mitigate that one you just say yeah. that's that's the kind of bad start that you just say hey those happen last six so, starts I love yeah last six starts 313 era 319 fip you love that you know you gotta love that and it was against really good competition cincinnati twice uh who you know obviously you were had, really good by the yeah, way yeah they were very good offensively chicago uh the cubs uh the brewers the cardinals and the nationals you know, in Washington. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a that's a strong finish. I really, really like Tyone, and I, I definitely love him as like um, a ideal number three. I think you're sitting. Well, and I think you can get him as a number four. ADP hundred and seventy fifth overall, sixty uh, third starting uh, pitcher off the board. Like this is a guy that is you know max pick in the last you know whatever three days that we're looking at is almost two hundred. Jeez. Like he's dropping. Like he's being a little bit forgotten there, mm-hmm. huh? I think that's exactly what it is. People Still are pitching in PNC. And I there's this perception that they're terrible after the trades. They did trade two star names and they didn't really replace Cole, but I think they did replace the offense of McCutcheon with, with Dickerson. Like I don't mm-hmm. think I you could make a, you it's can gonna have a little drop game. off, but I Yeah. Especially but, defensively too. Even though Kutch wasn't great, it's still Dickerson. There was a whole debate on how good he was. I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna st- start at below average and have to be proven otherwise. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we'll see what happens with like a, a Musgrove and a Chad Cool and a Trevor Williams as they try to replace even a Tyler Glass. Now I can't completely write him off, even though I'm not a huge fan um, in terms of replacing Garrett Cole. But I don't think that there's some bottom feeding team, and replacing Garrett Cole is not is ancillary to anything that Jamison Tyone's going to do. Their offense and defense capable to give him neutral to favorable luck good ballpark great stuff another guy who i think and i keep um comparing him to his generations i i I do this with him and fulmer so i guess they're they're kind of concentrate each other but i think they're a lot like this generation's jordan zimmerman Mm -hmm. think of good jordan zimmerman and um you know i know that's been a few years now but he used to be really good he was really good for a while Absolutely. I think Tyon can do the same with kind of a control first, 
induce weak contact, get swings and misses, have some big strikeout games, but never really be a huge strikeout guy uh, because I don't think it's part of his game. I, I think three and out, three pitches and, and out, hopefully, with a, with a nice ground ball rate for Tyone. Um, okay, I want to move over to Cubs, one former, one current. Um, because I rank them right by each other, and then thus sorting by my ranks, I see your ranking, and you got them 23 picks apart. Jake Arietta and John Lester. Arietta has since signed with Philly. We know where he's going to be. Did that change your outlook at all? And um, even if not, how do you feel about Jake Arietta this year? You have him as a top 25 guy. Uh, it didn't change my outlook at all for him because honestly, I thought he was going to end up in Milwaukee which was uh, going to be a really bad landing spot for him. So, yeah, you know, Same sort of diff, you know, another a pitcher's park either way, or a hitter's park. Yeah, me. I mean, if, you know, I think that's, you know, actually a better landing spot in Philadelphia. You know, for him, it's all mechanic uh, mechanics, and when his me- mechanics are on, he's really good. When they're not, he's not. The hard part for me, and I probably should drop him. Yeah, I think I'm going to drop him a little bit, but... Um, because we, we're not going to get extended looks at him coming into spring training. So we yeah, aren't really going too. to know what the mechanics look like. And that defense could be really ugly. It's a big drop from what he had with the White Sox. And uh, that would be a, that would be a mark in favor of John Lester, who's going to have that same defense, but is going to be age 34. I don't know. Doesn't feel as solid as he used to, but I wonder if it's just the age or if there are some real uh, real concerns here, you know, his his strikeout rate was essentially flat, twenty five to twenty four. You know, that's not anything to really worry about, especially when the swinging strike rate actually went up half a tick. So we'll just call it neutral. Strikeouts were fine, but the walk rate did go up a little bit, seven um, percent to eight percent again. But that, yeah, that's pretty neutral. A little bit more when you look at the six point five to seven point nine, but not really hits were the big difference and some of those were homers and so wasn't getting as favorable with the with the defense and everything 85 percent left on base rate in 2016 we knew that would regress for Lester. that's just a huge mark but he went completely the other way to a 69 not so nice um when when low 70s is kind of kind of the average so is there a little bounce back here for john lester or is this kind of the beginning of the end with a 433 era and a 132 whip Hmm. It's for me. It's so hard to tell. I mean, the pitch values on the fastball are really scaring me. You know. And, yeah, I think I. I don't think that that's unfair because you know, obviously never been an overpowering sort of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, had good had good fastball pitch markers up until last year. A lot of it because of his command. Um, but even when when you have the command, once you lose like that mile per hour and it starts to go down. Every little mile per hour can be so much when command is first, and if that command wavers at all with it, yeesh, then you then you see your hits per nine go up two, and your homers per nine go up from point nine to one point three. So um, you have Lester down at forty six. Think I'm going to move him down a little bit myself because again, going back to looking at it as more of a draft list, I'm I'm not taking him um, ahead of these other guys, so I don't know that it's fair to rank him up there if I'm not going to take him over a Gossman, a Tyone, um, Sonny Gray, Michael Waka, you know, Sanchez for sure. So I think I need to move Lester down. I mean, if this, if we were just looking at the straight numbers and not looking at the fact that his name is John Lester, 
I think we'd all probably have him somewhere in the late 30s, early 40s. Mm-hmm. And Name so, value helping him for sure, yeah. You know, and so, like, for me, it's a matter of, do am I going to trust, you know, this guy who is going to be, or is 34, just celebrated his 34th birthday, um, you know, that, you know, really showed some decline in skills last year. So I'm just... I want to believe because I like John Lester. I think, you know, he's been a fun guy to watch for a very, very long time. Um, But I also beat cancer. Yes. Um, Early in his career. Yeah. And I mean, it has been a just an elite pitcher for, you know, virtually since then. Yeah. Except for one hiccup in 2012. I mean, fun to watch, like you said, like just, you know, you know, uh, it's just it's so hard to believe that, you know, 2016. This was a guy putting up a sub three ERA, and then you know he adds two runs onto that in 2017. So I think he bounces back a little, but I don't think it's anywhere close to what we saw in 2016. And let me see his ADP is probably pricing me out. Yeah, 114, and just the pitchers around him. You got uh, his teammate Hendricks and Luke Weaver going just before him, and then you have Alex Wood, Godley. Rich Hill, Jeff Samarjo, Lance McCullers, and Trevor Bauer after him. See, and you just I'm named t- six pitchers going after him that I really love, and one that I don't know what to do with in Rich Hill. I'm I'm taking most of those guys after him, and Johnny Cueto. I'm taking mm-hmm. after him. That's that's twenty picks. Excuse me, that's more than twenty picks. Uh, he's almost forty picks lower. That's two plus rounds. And what is the difference between those two? Mm-hmm. You know, you can have your concerns about Johnny Cueto, but he's at buck fifty. If John Lester was at a buck fifty, now we're talking. So yeah, uh, even his high pick is ma- uh, max one thirty six for John Lester, and that's still not low enough for me. So I just don't think I'm going to have him anywhere. So you're going to see him at a mark, probably around the fifty mark, where it's like, um, you know, again, I might put him say forty second if I'm trying to guess the one to one hundred end of season rankings. But I don't think that that's super valuable, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm I'm not I'm not going to do it that way. I'm really going to lean more on on how I'm drafting guys. Um, all right, let's continue on here, and let me see any interesting names that you definitely want to hit on hmm. as we look in your uh, say forty and beyond range. You know, I, I'm really uh, interested, or I mean, I think it's really interesting that all four of us are like within what four picks of each other and Marco Estrada. Like, it's I thought funny. I was going to be the high man on Marco Estrada, and was, I'm the low man somehow. That was the next guy I was going to bring up. And you know what? That's one of those where um, the 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 projections are really going to help because they're not going to overreact to last year because they're, built, they're baking in the two previous years with Marco Estrada when he was really good. And then it's incumbent on you to either listen to this podcast or do research on your own. But since you're hearing this, you're obviously listening to the podcast and you're going to learn that he had sleep issues last year. And now – And personal issues. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't fully confirm what those were. Did he get a divorce? Uh, he got caught publicly or report allegedly was caught uh, uh, cheating on his wife with a reporter uh, in in Toronto. So sleeping on the couch will cause sleep issues. Yes, this, this it day. will. Um, and, and I mean, this is obviously it's obviously rumors, but I mean, well, it's his business, but it also would explain, you know, it it would hit on that, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Like if you if you are beefing with your wife, 
that is something that's going to overtake your 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 thoughts and probably cause you to sleep poorly. Here's the thing, uh, you know, I'm not like, yeah, I, I don't know if he did it or not, but just anyway, maybe just don't cheat and then you don't have to worry about that. Mm. Just seems novel really idea. So, but supposedly uh, the sleep issues, quote unquote, uh, have been resolved and taken care of, and uh, you know, I mean, this is a guy that has done just a fantastic job of getting infield fly balls, uh, you know, which I think some people maybe sometimes slough off as, uh, is not really a skill. Um, uh, and I, th- I think it is, he, he really limits oh, hard absolutely. contact and he actually did a pretty good job of both those things last year that I kept waiting for him to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what does Nick, Nick, Nick Pollock say? Tierra? Uh, yes. I don't, I can't remember um, what it stands for, but it's like a, you know, guy that's going to turn it around. Turn it around any time, maybe. Yeah, something like that. I, I mean, like ultimately, that. he just got crushed by the home run ball. I mean, that's that's which was always a concern because mm-hmm. it's been an issue for him. But he had limited them to, and this is this speaks to his home run issue. Marco Estrada was limiting them when he had a one point two mark for two years in a row. But when you're not giving up any hits, you can allow you can allow some solos, and that's basically how he gives up runs. But when you when the hits go up. Those homers are going to – and the homers. But even if the homers had stayed stationary at 1.2, just going from six and a half hits to nine per nine would, would have had an ERA dent. But the fact that the homers went up with it, that, that's how you get a five ERA. But but the base skills still look like the same guy. And so if, if, if luck kind of goes back in his favor a little bit and he is getting his sleep and his changeups working because he said it was impacting uh, the way he was throwing his pitches – I think he's a nice bet in the mid rounds, and no one's going to ooh and ah when you take him. But uh, I think that's exactly the kind of guy that you want in the middle of your rotation. I, I, as much as we love upside, I think this is a guy who has upside, even though it might not feel like it because he's a, a 34 year old junk baller, basically because he, you know, he really lives on that changeup. There is upside here. I know it feels weird to say, but he can get back to what he had in the last two years. That's upside. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is a guy who last year. Uh, had a, a best strikeout per nine of his career, and he's gonna he's gonna pitch. He's pitched at least 176 innings in each of the last three seasons. His ADP is currently 298th. Jeez, I mean, because so, here's the thing with a guy like that: when we can't make sense of their success, we being general, but I, I cop to this, we're looking for a reason to discount them to like forget them. And once Marco Estrada started struggling, it's like, okay, finally, I knew he was terrible. You know, the confirmation bias goes into overdrive, I think, on those. And it's like, boom, now I can get rid of him. And it's like, eh, not so fast, my friend. I, I, I think there's another I think there's another year here. Even if he doesn't get all the way down to the three and a half, 375, I'll take that at pick, what would you say, pick 300 almost? Yeah, virtually pick 300. I mean, going, uh, you know, guys going right above him, uh, Miles Miklas. Um, tough spring, you know. Uh, guys going behind him: uh, Zach Davies, Sean Newcomb. Ooh, you know. No thanks. You so. impacted by that uh, by the awful spring that Nicholas is having so far, or or yeah, I th- I think I have him like seventieth or something in my rankings, and I need to move him down. I have seventy first. Um, I I wasn't really going to be in on Nicholas to begin with. Okay, um, I just. You know, I just I I hate not having the ability to really watch a guy before like super investing in him. 
Um, no, but I like I bought in on like the things that Eno was saying, and so I was like, oh, I'll put him seventieth. That seems like a fair spot. But now he's probably. The problem is like it's like I mean, who do I drop him? Oh, you know what I do? I move up Jordan Montgomery, and I I, I move. Um, Hell yeah, you do. Where did you have Jordan Montgomery? I, had, I for some reason had Jordan Montgomery eighty second. So I'm going to swap them. I'm going to put Jordan Montgomery. Put Nicholas at eighty second, and I'll put Jordan Montgomery at seventy first. Let me hit you with something that's uh, a li- we don't really have a, an outline, so I'm not really. No, we're just kind of spitballing. Um, his teammate, Nicholas's uh, teammate, Jack Flaherty making an impression in spring a little bit here. I don't expect him to break with a job or anything like that, but 20 strikeouts in 13 innings. The ERA is a little bit high because he's allowed three homers, and I imagine that that plays for a bulk of his seven runs, so I don't even care about that. I'm looking at a 191 average, a 108 whip, 20 strikeouts, five walks, and 13 innings. He's somebody, now we're talking about Michaelis. There's also um, Adam Wainwright, who isn't exactly instilling a ton of confidence there could be a spot open in relatively short order say a month in what's your outlook on a jack flaherty as somebody who could come up uh, relatively early and and make an impact i like flaherty i think he's one of those guys that uh you know he's you like you said he's not going to start the year in the rotation because the cardinals have their rotation pretty much filled out um but if wainwright isn't healthy, um, you know, and there's no reason to think that he can return to the guy that he used to be at age 36. Like you said, Nicholas is struggling. Uh, maybe he's one of these guys that comes up, you know, after, you know, they gain an extra year of service time. Uh, they move exactly. Wainwright or Nicholas into the pen, you know, because it's not like Nicholas is, you know, Nicholas just signed a deal, but it's not like it's super expensive like it was not prohibitive to i want to say you know just off the top of my head was like two years 12 million or something like that yeah something like that that if you put him in the in the bullpen it would not be like wow we're putting all that money that 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 almost it makes it cost prohibitive to put wayne right there although i wonder if since wainwright had success there before if he might be more open to it you know i know he's a big competitor and i remember it was a couple years ago when he got on sirius xm saying no i got i got plenty in the tank and <laughs> you, you gotta you know, draft me in your fantasy shit. league yeah he was like oh no i'm ready to go and it was like oh 462 era for 199 innings thank you um but i wonder if there might, you know, that, that, that'd be pretty cool. I think that there could be something there if he embraced that and say, you know what, I certainly don't have it to be a, a six-plus starter anymore. Not even sure I can be a five-star. He doesn't have to come out and say all this. But, you know, assessing himself and realizing that he hasn't, he's not really making it through a lineup three times. What about one great time? And openly goes to Matheny and be like, I can be a two-inning guy. Let me be a two-inning guy three times a week get my six innings that way there could be something there that that'd be interesting and then that would open up a spot for flarity that's that's the main thing i'm looking to do is open up a spot for flarity um he did come up for a little bit last year he is still uh intact for rookie eligibility so maybe like a month usually um is the way the 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 numbers work there so maybe an early may call up i would say jack flarity how many in a 12 team or how many reserve spots would you have to have to roster him or even would you I don't think I'd do in a twelve teamer. I mean, I just team, how many reserves? If I had seven reserves in a fifteen teamer, I'd do it. So like, so yeah, you, you would NFBC him. Yeah, 
Sure. The only problem in the NFBC, well, though, is there's yeah, no DN. Yeah, and I was just about oh. to say that, like, if you have injuries, then, then you're kind spot. of screwed. Um, yeah. So, so maybe not there, but a 15 team with DL and reserve. Yeah, like the the Invitational, you've got uh, I think six reserves, five DL spots. I I take them in the Invitational. Yeah, I would I would too. Did I? No, I didn't. I took some young guy. Let me pull up. I know <laughs> I took AJ Puck. Um, I think he got snaked in my league. Like right as I was about, I'm excited about AJ Puck to be honest. Let's I like, am too. We're not anywhere near him, but let's because we're not we're meandering. So and we're we're gonna have to wrap. But we can't go three hours today, guys. Sorry, sorry. I'm gonna break. I'm gonna break. Yeah, we spoiled you guys for a while. Yes, <laughs> we did. We did. We're probably winding down here with another ten, fifteen tops. Uh, but AJ Puck's a guy, another prospect, kind of in a Flaherty mold, except that Flaherty has debuted. But one of those prospects that doesn't get all the buzz, but of like a Kopech, but could be up producing relatively early in the season and has like great stuff. AJ Puck was a number six overall pick. He's a top 30 prospect this year. Maybe he needs more buzz. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, last or last season between two minor league levels had over a 30% strikeout rate. Like, That's insane. Yeah. I mean, like in like, don't get me wrong. He still has a little bit uh, to, you know, to work on, um, he, he's got, a, you know, some control issues. You, you want to see the change up kind of progress a little bit. Um, but ultimately I think this is a front of line starter and I think it could come as I soon as too. this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think the big lefty, um, six, seven. Now I will say I'm interested to see him pitch because I do talk about how I have concern for, for guys that are up over six, five with their command and control, but he's been a three and a half walks per nine guy, which is, which is, you know, not low or anything, but I can live with that, especially if you get the swing and miss and the difficulty to hit that uh, has also accompanied puck. So I I think think I think that'll come down to I think part of that may have to do with the fact that they're having him to work on these, you know, these third pitches that he's trying to develop. Um, And so he's still kind of getting the feel for him. I think as he gets the feel for him, though, that'll actually come below three. Okay, I'm in. Um, All right, let's keep going. Let's see here. I was actually going to look at you know what we were talking. We've been talking prospects. And we're talking. Um, can, can I just point out one last thing on Puck? Just one last thing. Oh, on absolutely! Puck. No, no, no. The more you got on Puck, the better. To be okay. honest, I actually thought you were going to keep going, so I was looking up so, another guy. You caught me off guard. Hun- I apologize. Hundred. Let's see. He's got a total of what is this? Hundred and fifty-six, fifty-seven minor league innings. He's given up a total of three home runs. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Wow, I didn't realize that. Wow, I, I'm I'm it, man. Like yeah. AJ Puck was somebody I kind of uh, dug in on over the off season and realized, hey, I remember the name from co- from college and drafting um, as as a Florida guy. Like I said, top six pick. S- looked up some video, watched some stuff, read some stuff. Like just everything I, I just got me excited. I'm just excited. And you know what? I need to do another sneaky good fantasy team because I did the one on, on the Atlanta Braves. Oakland is one. I think they're a sneaky good fantasy team. They've got a lot of interesting assets that uh, that I'm I'm ready to draft this year. And I, I want to talk about another one of their starters, but I want to go back quickly to St. Louis because we were talking Jack Flaherty. And again, I think uh, we'd do a disservice to folks if we didn't say anything about Alex Reyes. 
because uh, of the way his situation is. They're looking at like, I think the earliest is like a May 1st return, although it could be in the bullpen. Yeah, that's, and that that's the actually, issue. That could move the timetable up, though. They were saying like, okay, if he does come back in the bullpen, well, then maybe they can get him at MLB innings a little bit sooner. Given that they don't have a lockdown closer until they sign Greg Holland, at least mm-hmm. I hope I speculated on that. Um, and if they don't do anything like that, I wonder if Reyes could come back and close similar to the aforementioned Wayne Wright. They've done it before. They know that, hey, we could have him close for a couple months and then transition him back into the starting role if they trade for somebody at the deadline or something. What do you think about Reyes's outlook this year? It's his first year back from Tommy John, so I'm inclined to just pass. But he went too cheap for me in the Invitational, so I ended up with a share of Alex Reyes. You know, I, I think I, I write for Fantasy Alarm. Uh, and I've been doing like a weekly. Uh, <laughs> I've been doing like a weekly uh, article for them about late round targets, and I kind of break it up by uh, by, by depth of league, um, and and then what, and then I focus on a different category. And when I was focusing on saves, I actually put him on that list because I think there is a chance Ooh, that like he it. could get saves. You know, we we saw we saw both. Uh, Carlos Martinez and Adam Wainwright in the bullpen uh, at certain points in their career coming back off of injuries. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see Alex Reyes. The only the only issue I have with that is Dominic uh, Leone just looks absolutely amazing. He's definitely getting some nice um, sl- save speculation buzz, Dominic mm-hmm. Leone is. And, and I, I totally didn't... buy it. We haven't done anything on closers, I think, since Eno was here, to be honest. So, um, honestly, though, that's just such a touch and feel. Like, everyone has if, – if you have your policy or your, your draft strategies on closers, that's going to kind of dictate it. I don't know that there's so much diving in and being like, ooh, I think he's going to be a great closer this year. It's just so much to, like, manage it's, a whim yeah. and, like, reading the tea leaves and, and if you even want to invest in safe. It's better so that's why something I, to touch on in season as we start to see guys fall apart or as we start which to see we guys will. emerge. But you it's, know what it's, I did like one a month. You yeah. and I will do like we'll do the same. Like once a month, we'll really dive in and talk about all the sketchy situations. But I agree. I think it's a better in season thing because you're going to go in with your strategy, do that, and we'll help you fix it if it goes wrong in season. So you, just you know what I think Alex Reyes will probably end up being. You know, I mean, as long as he comes back healthy, I think he's yeah. going to be the Cardinals version of Chris Davinsky. Um, See that'd be great though. Like that'd be really nice. For and what them. people don't realize is uh, Davinsky, I want to say, has been a top twenty-five starter according to ESPN Player Rater the last two seasons. So like, just wow. even though he's not starting, he still gives you a ton of value because he's getting wins, he's getting saves, he's getting strikeouts, and he's Strike getting out. innings. Yeah, one hundred eight in that one year where he actually picked in five starts and sixteen, and then eighty-one innings last year. With a hundred strikeouts, eight wins, four saves, it all adds up. Mm-hmm. A point ninety four WHIP, which is fantastic. So yeah, I think I think that those guys are still undervalued. They're they're definitely getting more value in the market these days, more more love. But they're they're, they're still undervalued as a as a grouping. I thought Reyes was actually going a little bit higher. Um, I overpaid by ADP at least. He's going 261 right now. He's down 30 picks um, over the last I think that's last 7 days or last 10 days. Um, But I paid 252 
I felt like it was fine, though. I really thought he was going closer to pick 200. And maybe I was just in a draft where he was going too high, Alex Reyes was. But I really thought he was going up there. So when I saw him at pick 252, I was like, well, yeah, I'll take a shot in the in the great invitational because I can also DL him. So um, that's how I ended up. And that's my story of how I ended up with an Alex Reyes share. <laughs> Spin us another yard, Grandpa. You idiot. Uh, okay. Let's continue and talk about a few other players here as we wrap up. I mentioned I would go back to Oakland real quick. Sean Manaya. Um, I just want to correct what? myself real quick. Sorry. Davinsky yes. would have been the 31st starter last year on, on the ESPN Player Raider. 25th year. Still bananas. Yeah. Still bananas. So I, I feel I feel that. Um, Manaya looks like, like a, a, a disparate ranking when you got 42, 51, 57, 64. But that's such firm glob that I think you could see how he's 42 and Mike could see how he's 64th. You are the low man. Do you dislike the baby giraffe? I, I don't dislike him. I, I guess he's like in Why that. Why do you hate him? Just tell us. <laughs> I mean, he's Just an Oakland man. But no. Um, Boom. Roasted. Yeah, exactly. I mean, for me, it's, you know, I, I love the skills. Um I, you know, worry sometimes about his health. Uh, I f- thought we would see more strikeouts by this point, and we, we haven't yet. Um, you know, there are times where I watch him pitch, and I go, wow, this guy is going to be a top 20 starter at some point. And then there are times I watch him pitch, and I don't think he has any idea where the ball's going. Yeah, that that's fair. I, and I think there was times the last year where he was not – right but still pitching mm-hmm. health-wise for Manaya. Uh, but unfortunately that's been a problem throughout his entire career though so it's not it is something where yes i'll bet on the scales um and i think his health concern is is built into the price which is currently pick 239 because it is not super reasonable to expect a 200 inning season like it's not really reasonable at all until we see that he can get even a buck 75 and then maybe even have to stair step up to a buck 90 and then maybe a 200 if ever but I really do think when he's on, he can be great. Another guy who um, the strikeout numbers do not scream and mm-hmm. say, wow, look at this. But then you kind of dig through the game log and you're like, he can be a strikeout per inning guy. But then he has funks like August where he doesn't strike out more than three in any of his five starts and totals seven strikeouts in 17 and two-thirds innings because he was clearly not right and got his clock cleaned. He also and had some sort of illness too last year that, you know, uh, you know, didn't necessarily come up on the injury report, but like he lost a bunch of weight. Um, and that's huge for somebody, you know, like Manaya, who's already not the strongest guy going. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I don't like going to work when I feel sick. Like, you know, can you no. imagine having to go out Pitching. and throw a hundred pitches? No, I can't. That would be absolutely brutal. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think. He's definitely one of those guys where I could certainly see the level jump, even though it's not clearly in the numbers. Because when I when I see him pitch and I see him at his at his good and great, not just at his great, because anybody at their great, you can be like, well, what if he did that? What if he did that one start he had this year for thirty two starts? Hey, eh, Spore, did you think? Look at that. Um, now obviously, you can't just say, well, you know, look at the great. A lot of it with with these young guys too is is um, show lacking avoidance. Don't have 
those six and seven earned run outings and mitigate those to where your worst outings are a few fives. And then um, your great work shines out, shines through more, and you end up with, say, a 360 ERA instead of a 437. So I still like Manaya. It's still a health gamble that I'm going to go ahead and bet on. But um, I definitely like him. Let's see. Who else? Anybody else you got? I got a couple more names, but um, I want to make sure that let's, we let's talk touch about, on anybody. What, what are your thoughts on Luis Gahara? Because, I mean, I think he's going to be up early. He's not going to start the year in the rotation. They're going to, they're going to, I think, start him in AAA. But, I mean, well, because of the ankle, especially, yeah. which I think helps. Mm-hmm. Because I think the price was about to get too aggressive on somebody like a Gohara. And so then the sprained ankle, which is not a, a, a nothing. You know, it's not it's not nothing. I know it's a weird sentence construction, but it's something to acknowledge. But it's but not I also arm. don't think it's exactly it's not arm and it's I don't think it's gonna be catastrophic. Um because it's not even like he's going on the DL. It's just like he's kind of nursing it, shut down. Well, I guess it would technically be kind of a DL. He was shut down for two weeks. So I take that back on Gohara. But it's not something that I think is gonna automatically linger beyond that. Get his two weeks off, get ready, have some time in the minors and then be up late April, yeah. go for five months. Was hard not to like a lot of what we saw, and I know he cuts that figure of of CC being the big lefty. I I get it. Like I I know it's it's a bit of a size comp, so he can be seen as a little bit lazy. But he's also got really electric stuff. I liked the uh, showcase that we saw last year. Pick three fifteen can't really hurt you to take a gamble on Luis Gohara. Uh, it's just he's so tantalizing, and he's left handed. And so all that heat coming from the left-hand side helps neutralize that park uh, a little bit more mm-hmm. than, you know, uh, maybe a right-hander would. Uh, I just, the, you know, you look at the imp- impediments in terms of the guys who were in that Atlanta rotation. In like, oh, Casimir's blocking him. For yeah. sure. Casimir's going 190 innings, you think? Yeah, Casimir, Fulton-Nevich. You know, I love Brandon McCarthy, and if we're, if we're doing grades – Based on your Twitter uh, personality, he's got eighty grade <laughs> tweets for sure. But like as a starting pitcher, you know the chances that he's getting to one hundred and twenty innings is is really unlikely. So like he's going to be in the rotation fairly quickly. Um, and I feel like this three fifteen ADP over the last week or so uh, is just screaming for huge upside. No, I, I I totally agree with that. And um, I, I again, never root for injury, but sometimes when it happens, you can acknowledge that the, it was a it was a positive uh, on the fantasy landscape because it lowered the price to a level where you're like, well, now I'm now I'm super in. So um, I think I'll have some Luis Gohara shares for sure. And if you got a DL and you can DL them, as long as you have a good reserve though too. If it's that three reserve. You got to be careful because you're 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 going to be working with two guys mm-hmm. for like a month, and that can be tough. Because then, you know, um, in those similar leagues with ESPN and, and Yahoo, you usually have one, maybe maybe two DL spots too. So you got to be careful. Don't hamstring yourself. He's good, and we like his upside, but not enough. Because if you hamstring yourself for a month, then you get him. Uh, you need his good work to kind of offset what you what you the damage you did for a month of having you know maybe poor guys that you didn't want to keep in your roster or blank spots stuff like that. You know who's looked really really good in spring training so far and looked really good towards the end of last year. Kyle Gibson. 
Oh, God damn it. Cut this shit again. <laughs> you know, made some mechanical changes. Oh, my God. Um, looked oh, really good down the God. stretch. Looks really good in he spring training. in spring. Shut the hell up. You know, I'm going to be this the high gonna man. This going to burn me, isn't it? Yeah. No, it's, it's going to totally burn me because I've fallen for this before. But uh, I, I gave him a really nice ranking of 69. Um uh, that is pretty nice. Yeah, and uh, you know and, it's going to be above everybody else. I know that, but uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going back to the well. This is a guy that I've banked on for a long time, uh, taking a step forward, changing his arm see, slot, changing his spot on the rubber. Uh, seems to have done a lot for him. Uh, I believe he was sitting like ninety three, ninety four in his last spring training start. God, I'm so angry. Yeah. Because, like, I've been there, but then I destroyed him. I destroyed Kyle Gibson at the Arizona Fall League. Um, like, ba- like meme. Like, I was just memeing on, on him. I was taking it to the highest degree. But I've been here. I've done bought in on It's okay. Kyle this Gibson is one of those guys we don't have to go after each other, you know, at Tau Ors or in our Yeah, you can have him. I, honestly, I think I'm willing to lose here. You know, I, I just don't know. I did get most, you know, I, I did get decent shares of the 2015 season, but then I gave it all right back in 2016 when I bought right back in. Um, didn't have anything last year, was fully out. I don't know, man. Maybe I, I, I do kind of want to see a start. Here's the thing. 10 and 12 teamers, he's probably not going to get drafted. You can actually afford to watch a couple starts with Kyle Gibson and see if there really is mm-hmm. anything there that you want to bet on. There were changes, not just the schedule. The schedule played a role. I'm going to stand by that. That 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 helped fuel the second half surge. And it only got him down to a 507 ERA, ladies and gentlemen, I might add. <laughs> but there were changes behind it, too. So I'm not going to completely ignore that. But this is a 6-7, to seven, not even 7. He's never had 7 strikeouts. This is a 6-strikeout guy, a 3-walk guy, a 1-homer guy. I like that he has good defense, though, too. So I, I do see factors. The guys got him at 113 and 114, or 104, respectively, Mike and Jeff, for Kyle Gibson, and that's because he has back-to-back 507 ERA seasons. You have him at 69, nice. I think I can go, I think I can go 90. I, I think that's the best I can do. Like I'm negotiating with you. I'll, I'll give you ninety. I'll give. I'll give. I'll give you ninety. Like no, that's, that's. I don't that, know. You 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 rank them wherever you want, buddy. It's I. I you know, for me, I look at those last eight starts. Um, sub three RA, uh, eight strikeouts per nine. Kept the ball in in the yard, and for me, and most importantly, he stopped walking people. One Which is huge. One point eight two uh, walks per nine over his last forty nine innings. Um, that that's a because, big deal. Yeah, because if you don't have any dominance to speak of, um, and I think he usually has a pretty good ground ball rate, Kyle Gibson of the Twins. But if you don't have the 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 overwhelming swing and miss to to back things up, you can't be giving out free passes. Mm-hmm. You you just can't because then the hits and then of course the home runs which have been up the last two years are just going to be so damaging so the fact that he stopped walking as many guys that's definitely a, a help for Kyle Gibson but I don't know it's just something I just can't see myself really drafting him so don't, that's alright you're going to get a free one at the uh, at the auction that's fine I'm willing I'm willing to cede that one to you throw him out for a buck and watch the room freeze Oh my god watch us get up and go get a drink of water uh, 
Um, I was going to bring up somebody else, and now I can't think. Anybody else late that, that you want to talk? Oh, wait, 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 wait. I did have one. Hang on. Let me look at your rankings again. Well, is, is there anyone else that you want, want to bring up for sure? No, no you, you find you, – I mean, unless you want to talk about Chris Stratton and how much I love him. That's exactly who it was. Oh, Eugene. okay. <laughs> yes, sell us because uh, folks aren't going to really know what's what. And the, I think there was some question. I don't know if it was in a podcast comment section, but it was somewhere on the site recently of like, is this just a San Francisco buy? So so sell sell the skeptics on Chris Stratton. Listen, I, I, I know people are going to call me a homer, and part of it is homerism, but when you're – when you – you know, are homer like I am for for the Giants, and you're a homer for the Tigers. That means you're watching these guys all exactly. the time. It can be a benefit to it. You know, he made ten starts at the major league level last year. I watched every single one, and actually two of them live. So, like, I mean, uh, it's not like it's not Stop. like I'm. Yeah, I mean, I and I love I love the curveball. I just absolutely love the curveball, and it's. Uh, you know, all he needs is a little bit of a change in pitch mix. Uh, you know, don't forget that the Giants made huge changes to their roster in terms of defense. Um, you know, getting Denard Spann, who was the worst uh, defensive center fielder out of out of Get the lineup. Uh, you know, moving Pence from you know that right field that can play really tricky over to left. Getting McCutcheon, uh, you know, a former center fielder in that right field. Evan Longoria playing third. They've already got a Gold Glover uh, at, at at shortstop uh, in, in Brandon Crawford. Um, you know, this is a guy that you know he's not going to win people league. And I think people maybe you know misconstrue my love for the guy as like, oh, this guy's going to turn into like a number one or number two starter. No, but like, not always about that. He can legitimately be a guy who gives you 150 to 160 innings. Uh, you know, at you know, like a three six, three seven ERA next year. Hey, that that's gonna play in a lot of leagues, even if the strikeouts aren't great. Yeah, I mean, like so that's you know, not. And I think I think he will. At. I think he'll have more strikeouts if they do change the pitch the pitch mix. Like you know, he's shelving his best pitch to save it for the bullpen for some you know, or to help save the bullpen. Oh yeah, that that comment. I did not. I did not like that comment. You know, I mean, <laughs> but he's like. Oh yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to mess up the bullpen by using a, a dope breaking ball. What? Let them figure that out. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, this is They'll a guy all... who he threw it eighteen percent of the time at the major league level uh, last year, uh, and threw the you know average fastball that he has sixty-two percent of the time. You know, he starts throwing that curveball thirty, forty percent of the time, and we're we're like we're talking about a guy who uh, could m- make a real huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're still fully out on Cole Hamels, huh? Yeah. And aggressive. So one twelve. That's just saying you're not drafting him, right? Yeah. I mean, let's say let's say we are ranking it one to whatever. Where would you if you're if you're trying to fully predict the the SP rankings at the end of the year? Where would you put him, Cole Hamels? Hmm. Hmm. 95. Okay, so not even that much higher. No, I mean, like, he, like, what did he do last year that encourages you that he can... Nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's just... Nothing last year, but, like, th- that. that's one where it's like, do we just go off of last year? When, that's, when, it's, when it's a clear outlier, too. 
you know, I, I just think this is, you know, a 34 year old breaking down. Well, and, and there's not, here's the thing. This is as a general concept and not a Hamels thing at the first sign of trouble, just jumping off when it's a 34 year old, that's going to be a positive EV bet mm-hmm. over the course of time. So from that, from that macro level, I totally get it. And it's just wash your hands of it. The player pool is big enough as it is and where you can discard having to really consider guys. Yeah, you're going to miss pockets of value at times. But if you have these these eliminators, these disqualifiers, it can help tighten up the pool and get you focused on on the guys that you are actually going to draft. And there is something to that. Like, do you turn over every single rock or do you find the 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 pool of rocks you want to turn over and then study the hell out of those rocks does that make sense yeah no i think it totally makes sense for me it's just i don't know you know i think i think certain pitches got worse uh you know the swing and strike rate you know went down you know two and a half percent uh the overall strike rate went down last year i just i don't see a lot of reasons to you know and like aside from his own issues like like the Rangers have serious issues in that bullpen. I I don't know what to make of that team, man. That's why I'm like uh, saying sneaky good fantasy team Oakland. I think that they could be better than Texas and then maybe get froggy and all of a sudden they're competing for a potential wild card. Like, yeah, seriously, I, I, I wouldn't – it's not the top projection or the top probability projection, but I don't find it to be a, an egregious – notion to suggest either for Oakland. Like and I mean thus, if like you don't want to anti Texas too. You don't want to project wins. Like it's it's such a it's such a foolhardy errand. Yes. But like if you were going to like ha- like not necessarily if you're going to project the wins, like how many what percentage of wins do you think would you project that the Rangers bullpen blows for Cole Hamels? Oh man, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, so then from... you like you say he doesn't have a good strike. He's not going to have a great strikeout rate. You know, the ERA is not going to be very good, and he's not going to get wins. Like I, I don't know why I'm. If you you're know. only projecting like fourteen off the top anyway, then they cost him three. Yeah. Then it's really looking like an like an eleven and thirteen. Like you could even see, say the ERA gets better. And, but it's like an 11 and 13 season with a 370 ERA and a 21% strikeout rate. And it's like, okay, that's fine. I could totally see Cole Hamels getting it back, though. I really could. But I know that's not just because I can see that doesn't mean that you have to rank him higher or that's that means it's worth drafting him because you can see a path for a lot of different guys. It's the probability of that path and the, the roadblocks that you talk about, the cons, if you're making a pro-con list, I think they add up to say, is it really worth your time? Just because somebody could beat you with him, is it really worth your time to try to be the one who wins mm-hmm. with Cole Hamels? And Wait, where, I, I where's his ADP? understand that. Um, let's see here. It is... 238. Pitcher 94. He's going around Faria, Porcello, Montgomery in the front. Uh, that's Jordan Montgomery because Mike is, I guess, around there-ish. And then Manaya, Chatwood, Odorizzi right after him. Yeah, give me all those guys. <laughs> yeah, I think every Like, I'm not guy. even a Chatwood guy. Like, I don't even like – like, I'm not a big believer that just moving out of Colorado is going to cure Tyler Chatwood's problems. But, like, uh, give me – yeah, give me all those guys. I think that's completely fair. Uh, I really do. 
All right. Any um, su- let's go super late here. A- okay. Any like eighty five and beyond in your rankings that you want to highlight with just one quick sentence. I'm still very intrigued by Daniel Norris. I feel that, especially with Chris Basio coming into town. He's done mm-hmm. some good work, former pitching coach out in uh, Chicago for the Cubs. I still think Daniel Norris, to that same vein, Matt Boyd has shown some stuff that makes me think that there could be something there with him. Um, I don't know. Maybe the Tigers have end up having some some usefulness out of their rotation. Francisco Liriano, another lefty, obviously older for sure, and and more of who he is. But because of his previous success, I also don't rule out a little bounce back for him. So I think the Tigers, especially in like an AL only where you're really where you're really having to turn over every rock, they they could be a nice little source of of some potential uh, pitching. I'm just saying, not not trying to be Homer. It, it is not high probability, especially to get the wins with it. But if you get some quality innings out of a Norris uh, or a Matt Boyd, I certainly wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I'm just. I've always been intrigued by the upside from from the left hand side, mm-hmm. um, and like I know last year was bad, but I, I I still believe like I still believe that slider can be, you know, elite when it's on. Yeah, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm with you there, and I am happy about uh, who they brought in. To coach him up, and and I'm really hoping that he can that he can do some damage in in, in the positive way. I guess that could be con- construed as a negative. He comes in and just changes all their pitches. Nine ERAs for everybody. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, hopefully this helped. Um, I thought I just thought it'd be more valuable than like talking about catchers. There's only only two catcher strategies: buy early or just kind of wait until the middle. Um, and then relief pitchers as well. It's just so wide open that we could do two hours on it and end up wasting time. I feel like talking about starting pitchers is always going to have uh, some value. So I figured that was the way to go. Justin, I can actually say I will see you tomorrow, good sir. Yes, can't wait. Sounds good. Bye. Bye.